Well, good morning. Uh, great to see everybody this morning. Glad, glad you're here. Glad you're with us. We've been working on um, the marvelous marriage. How do, you, how do you experience a marriage where people look at it and go like, wow, they marvel at it. And we started that the first foundational piece to it is to understand that marriage is all about oneness. But you're not the one who makes you one. God makes you one. When you, be, when you get married, the Bible makes it clear. He makes you one. Then you get, a, you get a chance to decide whether or not you're going to live according to what God has done in your life. And the second thing was acceptance. Coming to, coming to realize, whoa, in this marriage, it's, the goal isn't that we change the other person. The goal is we actually accept them. With the good and the bad, all of it, we accept them. They're, uh, that, that's us. That's part, we're in this together. And then last week we talked about values, that you value what they value. Even though you may never value it as yourself, it doesn't come from you. You value it because that's, you're one with that person. So you should be at some point asking this question. When do we get to the place where they change? Like, how is, how is the other person ever going to change if all I do is accept them and value them? Right? They're never going to know what's wrong with them. Like, how are they ever going to change? They're just, it's just, we're just going to stay like this forever. And uh, we are going to talk about that today. Uh, kind of an opening sentence is this. If you walk with Jesus, you will grow. There is no such thing as I am walking with Jesus. I'm building my marriage on the Word of God, and I don't change. Because you're alive. The relationship with Jesus is alive. Therefore, your marriage is alive. So we have been, uh, we've been using some pretty big passages. Today, we make up for all of that with this one simple passage. This comes from Ephesians chapter 5. And in the book of Ephesians, he first starts out and he, he lays out what it means to come to Christ. And he lays it out this way. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You had no hope. You had no hope of a relationship with Christ. You actually had no hope of experiencing joy and what God wants for your life. And he says, and Jesus came, and it literally says, not by works, you couldn't earn it, but by grace. It's a gift. And he offers that gift. And today, uh, a little bit later, we're going to do, a, we're going to experience a couple of baptisms. And that baptism is represents that this has already happened in their lives. They've already interacted with Christ, come to realize that their sin is the problem. And only Jesus can wash them, forgive them, and wash them clean. And he walks all that way through in Ephesians, and then he said, because this is true, because God has made you a new person, he has this relationship with you, now live this way. And that's where we pick it up in Ephesians 5.21. And before Ephesians 5.21, the verses right before it, he's talking about the church. This is how the church should treat each other. After Ephesians 5.21 and 22, he starts the biblical passage on marriage. Where it is the, you want to know how to be married? You go to Ephesians chapter 5.22 through 31. And he says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Today's whole message. I'm not going to teach you necessarily how, all the things about how to submit, although we'll talk to it some. The issue today is why. 
Why should I submit to the other person? Where does that power come from? How do I interact with my spouse? It's out of reverence for Christ. It's out of this relationship that I have with Christ that he talked about in the ones that came before. Submit to one another. So you may have heard some Bible stuff before and heard that the Bible teaches that the wife has to submit to the husband. Um, I'll teach you a little bit about that. And there's some real big truth to that. Did you know the Bible teaches that the husband has to submit to the wife? Did you, did you know that? Did you know the Bible teaches the husband has to submit to the wife? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not out of the personality or the power or the amazingness or even that they deserve to be submitted to. You're not submitting to the other person because of who they are. You're submitting to the other person because out of your relationship with Christ. So here's our big idea for today. Tell me what you trust God for. And I will tell you what I can trust you for. Tell me what you trust God for, and I can tell you what I can trust you for. In all of your relationships, you when you start out that relationship, most everything you do is to get trust from the other person. Why do we bring roses? We bring roses because it makes you happy, and then you think you can trust us. And you think we're going to bring roses forever. We kind of say that. We kind of intimate that. We kind of, right, along the way. And along the way, when you're dating, you start making all these promises to each other, right? And then marriage is the ultimate promise. That's what marriage is. It is a promise. It's a promise that I'm giving my life to you. You can trust me forever. You can't trust that promise. Matter of fact, when you come to me and you say, Pastor Chris, you can trust me because I, I don't trust you. I do not trust you. Why? I don't trust me. I am going to get up at 5 a.m. every morning and go to the gym. No, you're not. Any promise that you've ever made, you break. But when you trust God for something... When I know that you trust God's promises and God's warning and God's way, now I can trust you. That's what I can trust you for. <laughs> give, give them some money. All right, here you go. Being honest with yourselves and each other about what you trust God, about what you trust God for sets you up to walk with God together. See, it's very easy to talk about what you believe and what you think. This is what I believe. This is what I think. This is what I believe. This is what I think. It's pretty tough to talk about what I'm afraid of. It's pretty tough to talk about, yeah, I do trust God for that, but man, I don't trust him for this. I am scared about this. I struggle to trust him with this. But that conversation, what do we trust God for? sets you up to be able to grow together and walk together and realize, wait, I am not submitting to this person because I think they're so incredible and amazing and I feel so loved. I'm going to submit to this person because Christ loves me, because Christ 
gives me everything I need. That's the idea behind what we're talking about. So what's reverence, fear, and this trust thing all about? So uh, the word is, is literally fear. And sometimes people like go, well, it's not really fear. It's not like you should be afraid. No, that's what it is. That is what the word is. Well, I thought we weren't supposed to be afraid of God. So let's just take a little bit of time for this. The context really does matter. And uh, this is how this particular word works. God is the biggest person in the room. He's the most important person in the room. He's, also, he's, all, he's the most powerful person in the room. And when he gives you a warning, when he gives you a warning, you better fear that. You better be scared to death of it. How many of you in school did your homework because the teacher assigned it to you? Not me. You know why I did my homework? Because they required it the next day. And if I didn't do it, something was going to hurt. Right? That's fear. Fear is amazing. It's wonderful. It's really good. You teach your children not to walk in the street. You want them to fear that car coming down the road. It protects you to fear. When you fear the right things, you make wise decisions. When God gives you a warning, you should fear that warning. When God says something is true, in a sense, you should fear it. Now, here's the really cool thing about fear. It's identical in many ways to trust. Because the same God who gave me a warning gives me a promise. And I fear that warning and I trust that promise. It's really the same action. You are putting God's role in your life that role that God has in your life, you're going, ah, he is the role. He is the truth teller. He is God. He is the one I can trust. That's reverence. So out of that relationship with God, his warning, his word. In his word, you should fear the word of God. Why? You're going to answer to it. Absolutely you're going to. All of us, could, you, we could go through your life right now. And you could pick out places where you ignored the word of God instead of fearing it, and you regret it. The warning, the wisdom, the word, and his promises. Secondly is submit. Submit's a very simple word. It means to obey. It means to put myself under somebody else and do what is best for them or what they tell me to do. It's, it's not a complicated word. You actually don't need to, to study it much other than I'm not the boss. Something else is the boss. Both submit, but you have different roles. The husband's role is he's responsible. He is responsible for all of it. That's what a leader does. He takes responsibility for all of it. I never, 
ever before God get to go, Lori, it's your fault. I'm responsible. All of it. The role of the wife is to submit. The Bible is crystal clear about this. But there's a really important part of the word submit. You choose to submit. There is no such thing in the Bible as forced submission. God will not force you to submit. God will not force you to do what he says. He offers you the opportunity to submit. And when we submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ, from Christ, it is our choice to do so. Never, men, do you say to your wife, you have to submit. The Bible says so. You just took away the choice. No. And that part of the Bible wasn't written to you anyway. It was written to her. The part that was written to you is you're responsible. That's what it means. I'm going to love my wife like Christ loves the church. Christ is responsible for the church. So, how does it work its way out? Like, how does it, how does it work its way out in a relationship? For the lady, it works out pretty much like this. And if you want to turn your man's face white, sit down with him and go, you know what, hon? I realize from the Bible I am not responsible for any of this. I'm free. So, babe, tell me something. Where are we going? And how are we going to get there? And how are we going to measure whether or not we're getting there? And what do you want me to do? I'll do it. But know this, babe. All of it is on you. All of it. Out of reverence for Christ, you just submitted to your husband and scared the something out of him. Uh, Lori, are you here? Come out, babe. Uh, Lori is going to come out and join us again today. We're going to talk about this a little bit. And so our question for today is, can you tell us of a time when you had to submit to me out of reverence for Christ? Because of your relationship with Jesus, you, were, you submitted to me. So we talked about this in one of the other services that we had together, so, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it. So um, I'm going to go back a little bit further. We were, had just finished trying to raise support. We were, had been appointed to Togo, West Africa as missionaries, and we had just resigned because the churches didn't think because of my arthritis that we could do it. And so being the submissive wife I was, you know, I was going to follow him. So he said we couldn't do it, couldn't raise the money. So um, being the submissive wife that I was, I told him he was a wimp, and I, you know, followed him. And so we, we resigned. So I, you know, was very submissive at that time. And so um, a church in um, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, had called us to go down there and become um, youth pastors. Well, he was a youth pastor. I was, I was his wife. I was following him. And so we had all our things packed up, and we were in a car and with our four children, and we were driving to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. 
we were all we were all very excited and we we were going down there we had no place to live we had all our belongings in the car and we were what were we, an hour from there and i was very excited i was thinking about it oh we were going to find us a house we'd never had our own house before we had had a trailer but never a house a trailer in which my son was living in the closet and then um so we were going to buy a house and i was thinking i was talk, thinking to myself and i said oh honey i'm so excited about moving down to alabama um, I was thinking about all the things we were going to buy, and, and then I thought, honey, just, so exactly how much money are we going to make in Alabama? He was very, very quiet, <laughs> and for quite a long time, and I said, honey, and he, he said, well, um, I'm not exactly sure, I, I don't I think I asked them how much we were going to make. And, and so I'm, I'm thinking, sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking, am I a uh, God? Mm -hmm. He didn't ask them how much we're gonna make. We have no place to live down there. We don't know anybody down there except the pastor who I think he's talked to about getting a job. And I'm thinking to myself, God, did he ask him, do we have a job? You usually ask that, and I'm thinking all this stuff, and you know, I have four kids in the car, we have no money, we have absolutely no money in the bank, we have nothing, and I'm thinking, what are we going to do? Now, again, remember, I'm this submissive wife who just told him he was a wimp from resigning, and I'm thinking, God, what am I going to do? What, what are we going to do? I can't work. What are we going to do? How are we going to live? And I, I just had to say to him, okay, God, you got this. You, you got this. And so I had to say to my husband, okay, honey, we're, we're going to be okay. God, take care of us. You got this. And we got down there, and um, I, I left this out of the first, what I told the first time, you know, we, God moved us in with this couple, this elderly couple, who were just like grandparents to my kids. She was a wonderful cook. We cooked together, we baked together, and they were awesome. In fact, we really didn't want to move out. <laughs> then they found, we found a house that we rented for a while, and, and then we bought our very first home down there. They didn't pay us a lot, but they paid us everything we needed. God took care of it. And he did. God's, God's got this. He took care of us above and beyond what I ever dreamed. So how do you think that impacted you? How did that change you? He showed me that no matter what, he's going to take care of me. But when I follow him and when I follow my husband, he's got it. He's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it more than what I ever thought he would, better than I ever thought he would and that my husband cares more about people and taking care of them, and that no matter what, we're gonna be okay. And what would you say was the long-term fruit? Is there anything you've seen as terms of the long-term fruit? I've seen him bring our hearts together. I've seen him let us laugh about the funny things in our life, the crazy things both of us do. And we can laugh about that. We can laugh about the things that I think that are, <gasps> I used to 
get all uptight about. I don't have to get uptight about it because I know that no matter what, we're going to be okay, that God's going to take care of us no matter what. Cool. One of the things I saw was that um, <clears throat> for our children, they got to see God come through in the impossible. They got to see God provide when you don't have anything. And when you don't have anything and you're praying for God to provide, as adults, you're actually praying going, oh man, I hope God comes through. Like you're scared to death. Oftentimes you don't even, at that point, I'm like, what did I do? Um, and then later you watch your kids and they get to tell stories about what that was like for them. And oftentimes we make decisions not to submit to one another because we're protecting the kids. I'm doing this for the kids. I'm saving the kids, right? But the truth is you're missing out. They're missing out on watching God provide in ways you just never dreamed possible. And I don't want you to think that he just provided. Our kids got to do things and see things that I thought only rich people got to do. I, I grew up poor. But because we trusted him for things, I mean, my kids uh, got to go skiing, water skiing, boat skiing, on these huge boats. And we got to do th amazing things. We didn't have the money to do that. But God provided it. And that's even better than having the money to do that. That's even better to watch him do it. It's, it's amazing. Thanks, babe. So how do you do that? How do you make that choice? Because remember, the role that God has in your life, that's your choice. This is a pretty cool thing to think about. The role that God plays in your life is not actually God's choice. Because he's inviting all of you to let him into your life. He is inviting all of you. He wants to be the person that will give you the power and the might and the love that you can submit to each other. There's no one in here that God's going, I like that one, I like that one. Mm, no, not that one. <laughs> no, not you. It is your choice. Just like it's your choice whether or not your parents play a big role in your life. Just like it's your choice whether or not your kids your lives are surrounded around your kids, and you right? What role do they play in your life? You make this choice. How do, you, how do you do that? Well, there's this simple question, which is, who does Jesus say that I am? Who does Jesus say that I am? And when he brings that question before you, or you bring that question before yourself, you have a choice. Jesus says that I am his child. He says that this life does not matter, but life in him does. He says he's forgiven me, he's made me holy. That's a big one for you men. Huge. Because you're like, I, I, I can't do this. I can't take on this responsibility. I have all these other things I want to, to do and be, and, and, and there's this conflict, and I didn't have a dad, and no. At that point, you have a choice. I am going to believe what Jesus says is true of me, 
And therefore, I'm going to submit to my wife. Or, no, Jesus, you don't have that role in my life. My feelings do. I'm going to go with my feelings. No, Jesus, you don't have that role in my life. My buddies do. My culture does. The guys I work with do. Not you. If you choose to believe what Jesus says is true, in that moment, you're a superhero. If you believe what Jesus says is true, in that moment, you have the power of God to do the impossible. Why? Because your faith is no longer in yourself. It is in God. Your life is no longer yours. And whatever responsibility Jesus has given you, and if you're married, it's everything. You can fulfill it at that moment. Ladies, it's the same thing. Jesus, who do you say that I am? I am forgiven and I am holy. And ladies, you have an amazing ability to see everything that needs to be done all at one time. Sometimes you can see it around the entire world. And Jesus says that who you are is that you are his daughter and that he will take care of you. If you would stop figuring out how you're going to make everything work long enough to listen to him, you would hear, it's not your responsibility. It's his. So if it's not your responsibility, you're free to submit to your husband and follow him right off the cliff. Because God promises he will catch you. He promises he will catch you. You will never know what it's like to be caught by God until you walk off the cliff. The second question is, what does Jesus say I want? What the Bible says, that Jesus says you want what he wants. In the earlier part of Ephesians, he walks through how Jesus has changed your life and how you truly want what God wants. He has changed you from the inside out. You want what God wants. Again, the question is not, what do you want? The question is, what role does God play in my life? Jesus is the one who tells me what I want. Not my feelings, not the moment, not my friends. We started with, well, when, when is my spouse going to change? When are they going to find out and see that they need to change? Well, any couple, but any person who chooses to submit to the other person out of reverence for Christ changes dramatically, and they never stop growing. I've been married for 43 years. We are still changing and growing. Why? Because you can't walk with Jesus and not grow. It's not possible. 
You cannot say, I'm walking with Jesus. I no longer love my spouse. No. So there's the answer. You want to see change? God's role becomes king in your life.